सहनावतु सहनौ भुनक्तु सह वीर करवाहे तेजस्वीनावधीतमस्तुमाषावे ओं शातिशाशाति Om, may the Lord protect us both, teacher and taught together. May the Lord give us the benefit of this knowledge together. May we achieve greatness together. May this study that we are doing be illuminating, and may we not cavil at each other. Om, peace, peace, peace. So we are studying the Katha Upanishad. and we are in the first chapter second section and mantra number we had just done mantra number 19 last time so this is where yama the lord of death who is the teacher has started teaching the his student the young boy nachiketa and uh, he has pointed out the nature of the self the question was what is the ultimate reality about ourselves what is going on here in this game of life in all its joys and sorrows and ups and downs what is this mystery what is the solution to this mystery what is that ultimate reality if there is any such reality please teach it to me and so that is what yama has started doing and in the in the 18th mantra न जायते मृयते वापिश्चिट रियालिटी इज दैट यू आर कॉन्शियसनेस यू आर अवेयरनेस दैट इज नॉट सरप्राइजिंग वी माइट से आई नो आई एम अवेयर बट यस बट यू नो यू आर अवेयर एज अ कंग्लोमरेशन एज अ मिक्सचर ऑफ मेनी थिंग्स यू आर अवेयर बट यू यू ऑल्सो थिंक यू ऑल्सो फील यू ऑल्सो हैव मेमोरीज यू हैव अ पर्सनैलिटी यू हैव अ बॉडी you are located in time and space you have a particular identity a passport a biodata a whole story which goes with it this is the kind of awareness you think you are but that's not what we are speaking about immediately he says you are vipashchit you are consciousness itself but na jayate mriyate you are not born you do not die now that's something we did not know about ourselves we are very clear that we and others like ourselves all human beings all living beings are born and we die but he says no you are this consciousness which is not born which does not die nayam kutashchit na babhuva kashchit even more stunning he said that this consciousness is not a product not a process in your brain not produced in your brain and nervous system it may act through with your brain and nervous system but it is not a product or a process in your in a physical body it's not an epiphenomenon not a byproduct of biochemical processes uh, in your body um it has not come from there nayam kutashchit na babuva kashchit nothing has come from that i see uh, we the whole of religion uh, whole of science is cause and effect there is some cause ultimately call it the big bang or religious people will call it god and from that cause has come an effect what is effect all this that we see our bodies and minds this entire world this life which we call is an effect and there is a cause behind it and he says nothing has come from consciousness and consciousness itself has not come from anything 
So is it some isolated thing and everything else is going on without it? But no, it is the only reality there is. Therefore, everything that we see, everything that we experience is an appearance in consciousness. It's not a second reality apart from consciousness, not something that has come out of consciousness, not something that is produced from consciousness. No, nothing is produced from, from uh, the Atman, the ultimate reality of pure consciousness. Everything is an appearance in it does not constitute a second reality, a product of it. Being changeless, it cannot produce anything anyway, and nothing is actually a product of it, which means even in religion, we say God is the creator of this universe, but Advaita Vedanta goes further. No, the ultimate reality is not a creator of anything. It is not created by anything, nor is it a creator of anything. It is not subject to any kind of change. You are not subject to any kind of change. But we think we are subject to so much change. We are subject to birth and aging and uh, um, you know, growth and aging and disease and decay and death. He says, no. Ajo nitya shashvato vayam purana. Each of these words in, negates one of the sixfold changes. Birth, coming into being, a birth, then growth, and then maturity, then old age and decay, and finally death. All of them are negated, not of the body. The body will decay. The body will age. The body will ultimately die. At no point in no scripture has Bhagavan ever promised, Lord has ever promised that you will not die. If you believe in me, you will not die. No. At no point has, has he promised that. The body will die. Even an avatar's body dies. And body cannot be preserved uh, infinitely. No compounded thing can be preserved infinitely. So you can extend it, but that's not the point. Uh, I remember uh, last year, I was interviewed by uh, this history channel. They wanted to know secrets of the immortals. It has been telecast, actually. It has been uh, shown on, on TV, that episode, Secret of the Immortals. The series is called, um, it's hosted by William Shatner. It's called The Unexplained, The Unexplained. And it's in season three, episode five, if my memory doesn't fail me, episode five. I just saw one clip of myself. It's on uh, YouTube also. They, they interviewed me for that. And the title was Secrets of the Immortals. What are they interested in? Atman, which does not, is not born, does not die, not at all. No interest in that. Uh, though I did give them a, a, quite a long lecture on the immortality of, of the Atman, they cut it all out nicely. The only thing they're interested in is how long can you live? <laughs> so yogis who live for a long time, like, um, uh, like uh, Trilanga Swami, who was more or less documented, more or less well-documented to have lived, lived for 280 years. Even now they found one yogi in Banaras who is, who is 120 years old. So they are interested in that. I mean, what can I say? The yogi whom I revered the most, Swami Vivekananda, lived, did not live for 40 years also. So it is not living for a long time in this body. Why would anybody want to live for a long time in this body? Once you realize that what you truly are, it doesn't matter how long this particular body lives or dies. Swami Vivekananda says, take no more heed how body lives or dies. Its task is done. Let karma float it down. Song of the Sannyasi, that is the Jivan Mukta's attitude. So, it is not subject to old age, disease or death. 
consciousness is not subject to old age body is subject to old age body is subject to disease body is subject to death but you are this immortal awareness atman which is not subject to old age disease death you only have to realize it you don't have to become the atman this is what what he is pointing out nahanyate hanyamane sharire is not destroyed when the body is destroyed this is an important thing to realize that neither you nor anybody else perishes when the body perishes very important thing to realize when we are afraid of death first of all when we mourn for the death of others we are anxious about the death of other people who are beloved and yes it is a tragedy when people die because in that sense that person is gone forever no doubt about it but the essence of what that person was really what that person was is not gone at all is always there that's what krishna told arjuna that neither you nor i nor all these kings they will not die now even when the body dies they will still be they will exist they existed before the birth of the body they will continue to exist after the death of the body o arjuna you and i and all these kings we have had many births many lives you don't remember any of them i remember them all that's the difference between avatar and a jeeva so nahanyate hanyamane sharire it is not limited pure consciousness is not limited to the body and when the body comes and goes it is not destroyed does not originate with the body does not depend on the body and does not go when the body goes and you are that unlimited consciousness and this has to be realized then the next uh, 19th verse of course he said this pure consciousness is neither the doer nor the uh, experiencer of the results of action uh, so nakarta na bhokta which means pure consciousness is always free of the law of karma if you are the doer of actions then you will get the results of actions doer of good actions dharma you will get punya and the result will be sukha merit and happiness doer of adharma mischief then the result will be demerit papa and the result of that will be dukkha suffering but actually you are free of both right now and you always were that has to be recognized so i am vivekananda says no thou art that you are that you realize that that's all that has to be done of course fine print is there all that has to be done sounds pretty easy but we'll see yama will point out the fine print as we go along it's it's not as simple as that or not as fast as that you know just before i go into the next mantra advaita vedanta is a kind of a shortcut what shortcut i was just thinking i was reading this book it's called thinking better by marcus du satoy he is this um, mathematician at oxford university and he also holds the chair for the public understanding of science which was richard dawkins where richard dawkins was there earlier so um his approach is not confrontational to religion as was richard dawkins's approach he says that he wants to understand religion and have a dialogue with religion anyhow so he told me about this latest book he has written thinking better it's called the art of the shortcut and he says mathematics is actually the art of the shortcut and he begins with a very interesting story about 2 300 years ago in germany um there's this in a schoolmaster who is um, you know in those days who was walking around in the classroom with a cane threatening the boys the little school boys they're all little boys there and so the schoolmaster wanted to take a little break and he gave the boys 
little task to do, which will keep them engaged so that he can take a little nap. And the task was add up all the numbers, 1 to 100. This is a well-known story. So you 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4 up to 100. You add it up. So he knew that it would keep the boys engaged for quite a while so he could take a nap. But one little boy, the moment he gave the task, within seconds, this boy stood up and said in German, he said, it is done. Here it is. He's, and those days, slate and chalk. So he sh showed his slate and chalk. And the so this Marcus du Satoy describes the scene as if sort of in his imagination. He says the schoolmaster with his cane threatening, he came up, how dare you be so impertinent, you boy. Let me see. And he saw correct answer. Uh, what what is it? Five zero five five, I think five thousand fifty or something like that. One up if you add up one two hundred, and we know five zero five zero. Yes, our mathematician Abhijit is there. Immediately five zero five zero. He said, and the story. Of course, he knows the story. I'm sure. The what the boy did was he he did he found immediately saw a shortcut. That little boy. Uh, the shortcut is instead of adding one plus two plus three plus four, it is will be difficult, long winded process. He suddenly saw. If you add the first and the last, 1 and 100, you'll get 101. If you add the second and the second last, 2 plus 99, you'll get 101. 3 plus 98, you'll get 101. So each pair, if you add from the beginning and the end, you will get 101. How many such pairs are there? 100 numbers, so 50 pairs. So 50 into 101 directly, he said 5050, and he wrote the answer. So this is a shortcut, brilliant insight. And this boy was none other than Gauss, the great mathematician. So the, anyway, so he begins the story like that. And he says, all of mathematics basically is this art of the shortcut. Anyway, immediately I thought Advaita Vedanta is the art of the shortcut in spiritual life with certain um, you know, pr provisions, which is art of the shortcut. Instead of, this whole idea that I am the jiva and I have to um, do so many rituals and so many uh, mantra chanting and meditation practices and concentration finally achieve samadhi and then uh, have the vision of God. By the grace of God, I shall go to heaven or Brahmaloka. That is the idea in, in conventional religion, all theistic religion, is that we go after death to this extraordinary place, which is beyond samsara. And it's true. But Advaita Vedanta says, here and now itself. Yes, Pranav has given the formula. That is the famous formula, n into n plus 1 plus by 2. So here and now, here itself, today, now, you can go beyond that, beyond heaven, beyond God, and realize your identity with the absolute, realize aham brahmasmi, and that is the teaching here. That's the teaching here. That's what he's trying to tell us. How will you do that? He will tell us, but basically it is to catch hold of this awareness which you are to attend to that. Draw your attention back from the world, from the body, from the senses, from the breath, from the thoughts and emotions, from the ideas, from the blankness beyond the ideas, from the panchakosha, beyond that, into the awareness in which all of this is appearing. If you turn your mind inwards to that, uh, you will get it here and now. Sri Ramakrishna, I remembered yesterday we were reading the Gospel of Sri Ramakrishna. And there Sri Ramakrishna, we, we, I did not explain that portion, I will take it up next time. He talks about the approach of the jnani, approach of the yogi, approach of the bhakta. In the approach of the jnani, 
the path of knowledge. Sri Ramakrishna says, what does the jnani do? He says, this world, the changing world is not the absolute reality. And he turns his mind away from it. Neti, not this. This body is not the absolute reality. Nor is the mind the absolute reality. Turns his mind, uh, attention away from that. Turn your attention. If you seriously can, our highly trained and pure mind can literally turn its attention away from that. Drop it. In this way, when you drop it, then what remains is pure consciousness. And Sri Ramakrishna says the mind will go into samadhi. It will by this very process of Vedanta Vichada, not this, not this. It will go into samadhi. See, the difference is in our case, if you do it properly, in our case, you will come to a clarity and understanding. And in the case of a trained yogi, so like Sri Ramakrishna, it doesn't even have to be of the level of Sri Ramakrishna. In the case of a trained yogi, not only the clarity will come, the mind will also go into Nirvikalpa Samadhi, that pure mind. Along with that clarity, mind will become centered in that. Our mind keeps vibrating, so we don't become stilled in, uh, in that absolute. So that, but that Samadhi is achievable through this, uh, this vichara, this inquiry which we are doing now. After that, Sri Krishna says, what is the result of that Samadhi? The, the jnani comes to a complete conviction that the world is false, Brahman alone is real, and that you are none other than Brahman. That con conviction we are going to come to here. All right. Now let us go ahead. Mantra number 20. Another very important, very powerful mantra. 21 is also like that. 19, uh, 18, 19, 20, 21. 20. Anoraniyan mahato Atmasya janto nihito guhayam tamakratu pashyati vita shoko dhatu prasadan mahimadamatmanaha. Very beautiful and powerful mantra about the true nature of the Atman, about yourself, about us, our, our real nature. He says, what is this Atman? What are you like? What is this pure consciousness, Atman? What is it like? Anoraniyan, Mahato, Mahiyan. Language of contradictions and paradox. It is smaller than the smallest, the tiniest. Anu means atom. It's more atomic than an atom. Okay, so it's a tiny, tiny little thing. No, it's vaster than the vast, uh, greatest. Mahato, Mahiyan. Larger than planets and stars. Shankaracharya actually will say here that it's smaller than the tiniest grain um, of uh, you know any seed, tiniest seed, and it say he will say it is larger, vaster than the Earth itself. Uh, we can also say by extension, solar system or galaxy or um, universe itself. Where is it? It is lodged. It is found in your heart, in your in your mind, uh, in your intellect. It's pointing to the awareness which is there in your mind and intellect. Literally in the heart, in the cave of the heart. It's found in the cave of the heart of all sentient beings. The tamakratu pasyati dhatu prasada. You see uh, the glory of this Atman. What do you need? Two things are needed. Akratu. You must give up desires, transcend desire. The desireless one, one. And the second thing you need, dhatu prasada. The senses must be brought under control. The senses, the sense uh, organs, organs of action, mind must be calmed and attention directed inwards. Desireless, calmed mind and sense, senses. Then what happens? Something amazing happens. Pashyati, you see. 
what do you see mahimanam atmanah the glory of this atman what is the glory of this atman we'll see do you appreciate for the first time you appreciate what you already always had it is that do you remember the story of the washerman and the diamond i've told sri ramakrishna shared has told us the story the washerman who thought it was just a rock and he used it for scrubbing dirty laundry but he found it was a diamond and when he sold the diamond it solved it removed all his poverty forever but he has to recognize the diamond first he has to appreciate the glory and the magnificence of the diamond first and see that it has the potential to solve all his problems similarly mahimana matmana the glory of yourself for the first time you will understand the glory of yourself a glory greater than body greater than mind greater than life itself greater than all the worlds a glory greater than god so that glory you will recognize and then so what vita shokaha forever beyond sorrow you will go forever beyond sorrow you will be like krishna said you will have attained that yang labdhva na chaparam labham manyate tato adhikam you will have attained that by after attaining which you will not find anything in this world in this life in this universe greater than that you have got the greatest thing by far yasmin sthito dukhena guruna api na vichalyate krishna says to arjuna centered in which even the greatest of sorrows will not be able to shake you you would have achieved that you would have attained that and in fact achieved that attained that we already have it but we you have recognized the glory of that then you will see you will be set free that is called jivan mukti freedom while living now i just want to quote a few lines from the commentary by shankaracharya we will appreciate this mantra more so as i said um, it is smaller than the smallest seed is the smallest possible seed uh, you can think of the atman is smaller than that and then it is larger than it is prithivya dehe larger than the earth and other planets and you know heavenly bodies it is so great um then how is this possible how is it um greater than the earth and other planets and how is it smaller than the smallest let me start with an example um an example is that um um okay water water is a good example now if i say water is there is something which is smaller than the tiniest bubble and greater than the pacific ocean what is that that is water how is the water smaller than the smallest bubble and greater than the pacific ocean because uh, in the tiniest bubble also what is there it's made of water so in that bubble it there is water so if it has to be in the bubble it has to be smaller than water Uh, smaller than the bubble if something has to be in that bubble it has to be smaller than the bubble so water is made of tiny water molecules which are tinier than any bubble but it is also greater than the whole pacific ocean because the entire pacific ocean is in water without water there is no pacific ocean but the water exists outside the pacific ocean it exists in the atlantic and in the indian ocean also it exists in the atmosphere as water vapor it exists in your glass as uh, the, the glass of water 
So water is greater, vaster in extent than the Pacific Ocean, so great, and yet it is tinier than the uh, bubble. Now, what does that mean? It means all things are, all this bubble, waves, Pacific Ocean, these are names and forms. The reality of them is water. So the reality, the existence of all of these things is water. Water is not a part of the Pacific Ocean. It's not a part of that bubble, not a little um, something inside the bubble. No, it is the Pacific Ocean. It is the bubble. It is their very existence. Similarly, there is something um, which is the very existence of the entire universe. And when you look around, you'll see what I mean by that is sat, being, existence itself. When you say body is sitting on the chair, chair is. If the chair is not, then it would, it would fall flat on the floor. Chair is, the floor is, even empty space is. Um, so... Everything that surrounds us, whatever you can see, hear, smell, taste, touch, is, in some sense, the thoughts also. A thought is, otherwise you would not experience it. Emotion is. So, isness. Now, this is not the way we normally think. We think, yes, a table has existence. But Advaita Vedanta would say existence appears as the table. See, which is more correct? Bubble has water or water is appearing as the bubble. Water is appearing as the bubble. It's not that bubble is a thing in which water has been put. Like bubble is like a bowl in which a drop of water has been put. No, a bubble is a drop of water. It's nothing other than water. The wave is water. The ocean is water, basically. The ornaments are gold. Its ornament is not a thing. A necklace is not a thing in which some gold has been put. It is gold. A, a clay pot is not a pot in, inside which you have put a little bit of clay. No, it is clay. It is the very existence of the pot. And without this, the pot would not exist. Without the gold ornament would not exist. Without the water, neither the bubble nor the wave would exist. Similarly, there is this being, existence, which you are actually experiencing all the time. All around us, we are living in an ocean of existence in which various names and forms and activities are appearing, playing around and disappearing. In this screen, movie screen of existence, pure being, names and forms are appearing and activities are going on, but they are all nothing other than this pure being. They are just like a movie playing on a screen. The movie appears from the screen, in the screen, and disappears back into the screen. All the time, it was nothing other than the movie screen. All the time, it was nothing other than this one undivided pure being in which appears all these names and forms. All these things, they seem to exist, they borrow their existence from pure being or sat. And they, uh, without that pure being, just as without water, the bubble will disappear, the entire Pacific Ocean will disappear without water. Similarly, without this pure being, with, without existence, the tiniest atom will disappear and the vast thing like the earth also will disappear. Now, all this, what I said, Look, Shankaracharya just says in half in a half a phrase, he says uh, in one sentence, Anu Mahadva Yadasti Loke Vastu. Whatever exists in this universe, whatever real thing you think exists in this universe, universe, tiny atoms, mahat, vast things like planets, 
whatever exists in this universe. That teneva atmana nityena atmavat sambhavati. It is by that very atman all these things get their existence. Otherwise, tad atmana vinirmuktam asat sampadyate. Without that Atman, without that pure being, they all become asat, non-existent. Just like without water, drops of um, bubbles will become non-existent, the entire ocean will become non-existent. That is the power of water. Without pure being, without existence, this entire universe will become non-existent. Tiniest atom will disappear, the vastest galaxy will disappear. Simple logic. If you take isness away from something, what will happen? It'll become is not. It'll just become a name and form, a name and form. Do not hang like ghosts in the air. They will disappear immediately. He says straight away, Atmana Vinir Muktam, freed of, released from being. Asat Sampadyate, they disappear into nothingness, the entire universe. The tiniest thing and the greatest thing disappear into nothingness. Now, um, a deep concept. Upadhi. Let me explain the meaning of Upadhi. See, what is going on here is what Yama wants to teach the Atman, our real nature, is beyond language. It's there. It's right here. That, that's, the, that's the crazy paradox of it. It's absolutely clear. For the enlightened person, it's absolutely clear. But the problem remains, how will that enlightened person communicate it to us? How will Yama communicate it to Nachiketa and through that to us. What's wrong? Can't he just tell us? He can't. All language is meant for name, form, and activity. All language functions in duality. You see, just now what I had to, the example I had to give, water for all the waves and drops and you know, water bubbles and ocean or clay and pot, ornament and gold, and I have to say, existence is the reality which appears as tables, chairs, human beings, planets, and atoms. Now, that language does not, uh, is not capable of expressing that. If you say, what, is, what, is, what, is, what will the English language look like when you say something that chair exists? If you say existent chairs, that's not a valid <laughs> sentence. You can't talk like that. Existence chairs. Here is existence appearing as uh, 96 people. No. What is the correct way in language? What will you say? 96 people are here in this meeting. That means 96 people exist here. You see, 96 people exist. We, we can't say existence is 96, is appearing as 96. Language cannot express it. Why language cannot express it? That I have explained in other um, classes. And there are talks also. The, uh, the five-fold factor is there. So which... Um, um, prevents language from expressing that ultimate reality. Anyway, I will not go into that. If those who are interested, you can see the paradox of language, Advaita Vedanta. I think uh, there, there are talks on that. In Mandukya, especially, I've talked about that. But anyway, the problem remains. How will a teacher explain something which cannot be expressed in language? And so one of the ways in which the teacher explains it is language, uh, uses the language of paradox. Contradictory language. Greater than the greatest, smaller than the smallest, tinier than the tiniest, vaster than the vastest. Anoraniyan, mahato mahiyan. Where is this wonderful thing? You are it. 
atmasya janto nihitam nihitam guhaya this atman is is lodged in the cave of the heart of all sentient beings that's you this is poetic way of saying it's you now this contradictory language how will we unlock it how to understand it can it be understood yes it is meant to be understood he is not saying it just to be contradictory in a zen sense you know in a, in, to be cool and uh, sound extraordinary and profound no 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 it has a very clear meaning and you you are meant to unlock it and we will do so now one great sadhu i think one of the few i think who i i understand to be enlightened swami ramananda saraswati whom i met he said once in hindi i will translate for you do viparit baat aapko ek sath samajh mein aavegi mahatma ji to advait pakad mein aavegi if these two contradictory things you can understand you can understand at the same time then you will understand advaita vedanta so let us try to understand how something can be greater than the greatest and smaller than the smallest um so the concept is upadhi what is the concept of upadhi upadhi is definition something that comes near another thing and appears to transfer its qualities to the other thing i'm translating from sanskrit um samipe sthitva suyan gunan adhatte ti upadhi remaining in proximity it appears to transfer its qualities to something and the classic example is you have a crystal and a red flower is bought near the crystal if you are on the other side if you look at the crystal it will appear to be red a yellow flower is bought near the crystal from the other side of the crystal the crystal will appear to be yellow and if you remove the red flower and the yellow flower the crystal will appear to be colorless now what is the true color of the uh, crystal is it red no even when it looked red there was not a trace of redness in the crystal itself just look like that because of the presence of the red flower it's not yellow it looked yellow in the presence of the yellow flower the yellow flower is the upadhi the red flower is the upadhi um in english that they have translated it as quite incomprehensibly as limiting adjunct upadhi is limiting adjunct but let's just say that something that appears to transfer its qualities to another thing so red flower appears to transfer its redness to the crystal but actually doesn't do anything just looks like that so it's not red it's not um, yellow the color is not yellow and should we say it's not colorless also no it is actually colorless the, the crystal continues to be without any color even when it looks red even when it looks yellow even when it looks colorless all throughout it is without any color without any characteristic it's a presence of upadhis which seems to lend their characteristics to the crystal so it is like this here is the crystal it's a paper weight it'll have to do it looks more or less colorless let's say and now suppose i bring a pink piece of paper behind it now it looks pink but while it looks pink it's not pink actually not at all nothing has become pink about it and suppose i bring a yellow piece of paper behind it it now looks yellow but even when it looks yellow it nothing about it is actually yellow nothing about it is actually pink it is actually this and it continued to be this even when i did this or even when i did this so this thing is the upadhi now what is an upadhi body is an upadhi for consciousness mind is an upadhi the world is an upadhi the universe is an upadhi 
So whatever are the characteristics of the universe, of the body and mind, they appear to be superimposed on the Atman, on pure being or pure consciousness. Now, what's actually tiny? The atom is tiny. <coughs> what's actually really big? The, uh, the galaxy, the earth is really big. But existence itself, because it appears as an atom, it also seems to take the qualities of this appearance called an atom to itself and says it's a tiny thing. It's a tiny little thing. No, the isness there is not tiny. It's just the name and form of the atom which is tiny, the form of the atom which is tiny. And the isness there is not vast. It's just the earth which is vast. But when you say earth is, the isness also seems to be a vast isness. And therefore, isness is actually smaller than the smallest, vaster than the vastest. The smallness and vastness, which are contradictory qualities, both are appearing in isness, in existence, in atma. The Sanskrit word is sat. Both are appearing, but they are coming because of the upadhi. Upadhi of what? Tiny atom and vast earth or galaxy. These are names and forms. They are upadhis. They seem to transfer their qualities. Exactly like that. Not only qualities, activities. So on, um, in a movie screen, somebody is driving a car. Now, is the screen driving the car? No. And yet without the screen, other than the screen, there's nothing there. So in a certain sense, the screen is doing the action. It drove the car from this place to that place. But in reality, screen didn't do anything at all. It's the presence of the picture which seems to give that, that quality. It's the upadhi which seems to give that quality to the screen. It seems to give the quality to body, mind, world, gives that quality to existence, to consciousness. So all of this, Shankaracharya explains again in one sentence. Tasmad Simple. It says, because of the names and forms, um, the Atman itself seems to be smaller than the smallest, greater than the greatest. These are contradictory qualities. They belong to the Upadhis and they appear in the Atman and they are being used to indicate the Atman. If you say tiny, the atom is tiny. If you say vast, the sky or the earth or galaxies are vast. But tinier than the tiniest and greater than the greatest, uh, vaster than the vastest, then, then you have to get rid of all upadhis. You have to see that what is behind the upadhi. It is like, just like saying the crystal. What is the crystal? The crystal is, is that which is pink and that which is yellow. The same one. It is, the, uh, it is, it is yellow and it is pink. How can the same crystal be yellow and pink? Only if the crystal is neither. It only appears to be yellow in the presence of a yellow paper, appears to be pink in the presence of a pink paper. That is upad. That is the magic of upadhis. You might say, where do these upadhis come from? And the answer is, they don't. Remember, nothing comes from the Atman. It's a display of Maya. It's the movie. It's the dream. It's the names and forms which flash in consciousness and generate this magic uh, display. So Atman alone is the reality. It is existence 
and it is consciousness. The same thing. Pure existence and pure being are the same thing. Just a little point here. How can consciousness and existence be the same thing? Normally, it's not, not the same thing. So I think I am conscious. And there are these this, this tables and chairs which all exist, but they don't seem to be conscious. And I, I, am bo I both exist and I am conscious. But no, think about your dream example. In your dream, whatever you see, whomever you see, whatever action happens, including the time and space of the dream, all of it is, all of it is given existence by your dreaming mind. And it's all revealed by the consciousness, which is your dreaming mind, your consciousness shining in your dreaming mind. The dreaming mind by itself is the existence of all dream entities and is also the, the manifestation of all dream entities. So all existence and all consciousness in the dream, it all comes from the dreaming mind. Exactly like that in the waking right now, every existence and all experience comes from this existence consciousness, Sat Chit, which is the Atman. Okay. So all this is possible. Upadhi kattvat. All beings are, they are nothing but upadhi um, appearing in being or in consciousness. Notice how smoothly he has made the transition from the last mantra where the Atman is consciousness, vipaschit, pure awareness in the 18th mantra. 19 mantra also, not the doer, not the uh, experiencer, just pure awareness to pure being. Here he says it is the existence in all beings without which everything will disappear into non-existence. He holds them to be the same thing, being and awareness. Then where is this Atman, which is the existence of all things? Where? Where will we find it? Atmasya janto nihito guhaya. Guha means cave. What cave? It's not a physical cave. It is the cave of the heart or your mind. Locate it immediately. Right now in our experience, this mind, this thinking, this feeling, this perceiving, this mind itself, in this is this Atman we are talking about. Right now, where do you experience consciousness? Forget philosophy. Forget Vedanta. If I just ask you, are you aware? Yes. Where do you experience awareness? So within myself. And in awareness, I see all these things, but awareness I experience within myself. And within myself means within my mind, in my mind, in my intellect. That is aware. My thoughts are aware. My perceptions are aware. Or awareness is there in my thoughts, perceptions, emotions, ideas, dreams, waking. This is where awareness is. He calls it the cave. Nihitam guhayam. Then Shankaracharya, he gives a very beautiful pointer here, directly points to uh, the Atman. He says, Tam Atmanam Darshana Shravana Manana Vigyana Lingam. He says that, where shall we find this consciousness? Look at your experiences, which experience? Darshana, Shravana, Manana, Vigyana. When you see, are you not aware? When you hear, are you not aware? When you think and feel, are you not aware? When you understand something, are you not aware? In all these, awareness is common. 
what he's saying here is wonderful. This is how you have to appreciate this awareness. In all our experiences, experiences are different from each other. If you sip a cup of coffee, that's an experience. If you look at a beautiful flower, that's an experience. The flavor and warmth of the coffee and the, the beauty of the, the, the color of the flower, they're different experiences. Yet what is common to both? In that, you are aware when you're sipping coffee and you had the experience of drinking coffee. And when you're looking at the flower, you're aware. In every sensory experience, awareness is there. Sensory experiences differ from each other. Does the awareness differ? A Buddhist will say, no, but that awareness comes and goes with the sensory experience. But no, if it comes and goes with the sensory experience, between two sensory experiences, is there awareness or not? Yes. Otherwise, the between also would not be clear. That these are discrete sensory experiences. Experience one, experience two, experience three. How are you saying it's one, two, three, four experience unless you see that there's a cut between each? If there's a cut, you're experiencing that cut. You're experiencing that gap. What experience is that gap? That, that absence of the sensory experience. Same awareness. The presence of a, a experience, or some particular experience. The absence of some particular experience. Presence and absence are both noticed by the same awareness. Internally, thoughts, feelings, emotions, ideas, desires, happiness, misery. They're all different from each other. And they're all coming in a rush, in a stream. But awareness is common to all of it. Without it, you would not experience any of it. So in all these things, learn to recognize that one common unchanging awareness. It's like the washerman uh, saying, if you say that you have this magnificent diamond in your possession, which will remove all your problems. Then the washerman asks, where do I find it, this diamond? You have it. Where? Look at the rock you are using to scrub your dirty laundry with. That rock which you scrubbed the shirt and that rock which you scrubbed the trousers and you scrubbed the shawl and whatnot, all the, the, the dhoti and all the things that you scrubbed, same rock. Look at it. You'll begin to see it's not an ordinary rock. This consciousness which we have, Shankaracharya just points out, Look at the awareness you have in seeing, in hearing, in thinking, in understanding. Tamatmanam darshana shravana manana vijnana lingam. Lingam means it is noticed in, signed, indicated by. Then, what do you do? You need two things here. Um, one is akratu. Akratu, kratu means all sorts of desires, lokika, vaidika, worldly desires. I want money and security and um, achievement and appreciation in this world and health and all of that. And vaidika desires means desires of religious kind. That means after death, I will go to heaven. So all sorts of desires here and hereafter, they're covered by the term kratu. And akratu means who gives it all up. Basically, what is the enjoyment of desires? It is that same Atman. You want to bring different Upadis and color it in different ways. Actually, you are not coloring anything. The Atman remains absolutely same. You want to play different films. Once one recognizes that, one realizes that everything that you do and everything that you experience is already 
potentially uh, is there as a form of appearance in consciousness. There's not one thing that you can add to consciousness. Consciousness cannot be increased by any of our actions, by any achievement in the world, nor can it be decreased. With that understanding, let go of these worldly and otherworldly desires. They do not add anything to us. They only serve to distract us. So the attention gets turned outwards and it flows outwards through our mind and our senses and therefore we do not see the Atman. Later on he will say that uh, our senses, in the Katopanishad itself, our senses are turned outwards so our mind flows outwards and consciousness is directed through the mind and the senses outwards and therefore you do not uh, notice that one common um, consciousness behind all experiences. So Akratu, one must transcend desire. And then um, control, of the, control of the senses. He says Dhatu Prasada. Dhatu is a technical word here. He says, Shankaracharya says, Mana Adini Karanani. Five sense organs, five motor organs and mind. These He calls them Dhatavaha. Literally Dhatu means material. Sharirasya Dharanat. Because the sensory system is the one which sustains the body. Uh, which, 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 because of that, you feel you are embodied. If you had no senses and you know power of action, power of sensation, power of action, we would not feel identified with the body itself. So this sensory system must be brought under control. This continuous trying to see and hear and smell and taste and touch, and trying to walk and do things, continuously consciousness is being turned outwards through this uh, outward-focused mind-body. Mind this must be brought under control and this yogic meditation is very useful here. Again, what Sri Ramakrishna said, through meditation, the yogi tries to do it and the jnani does through this kind of analysis that I am not the body, not the mind, not the senses. Then you begin to appreciate With the, in the desireless mind and in the quiet mind you begin to appreciate the nature of consciousness. Then alone you can say, Chidananda Rupaha Shivoham Shivoham. I am of the nature of unlimited consciousness. I am bliss itself. I am Shiva. I am Shiva. But what preceded it? Manovudyahankara Chittani Naham. I am not the mind, not the intellect, not the ego, not the, um, the mind stuff, the memory. I am not the senses, the five senses. I am not the body made of the five elements. And I am awareness in which all of these are appearing. They are what? Upadi. We have now learned they are like the pink paper or the yellow paper. They are all appearing in me, appearing to color me. I forget my nature. And just like that um, crystal, it will think I am pink. I am yellow. No, at no time, even when it looked pink, you are not pink. You are not yellow. Similarly, even if it looks like in awareness, here is our body. Here is a body which is moving around and see and hear and smell and taste and touch. No, at all times, you are awareness itself. You see, the senses, what they do is they borrow the mind and the mind borrows consciousness. So consciousness reflected in the mind, channelized through the senses, gives us various experiences. The Buddhists call these the six consciousnesses. Six consciousnesses. What are the six consciousnesses? Eye consciousness. What is eye consciousness? You, the pure consciousness, reflected in the mind, 
connected to the eye. When the eye sees something, you get a conscious experience of seeing. Shankaracharya calls it darshanalinga. But it's a sign that you are consciousness. Ear consciousness. What is ear consciousness? You, the pure consciousness, reflected in the mind, connected to the ear, sound is heard. It's a conscious experience, ear consciousness. Taste, con tongue consciousness, nose consciousness, skin consciousness, and mind consciousness. Thoughts, feelings, memories, ideas. All of these are useful, but they are not you. Buddhist just shows you there is no Atma in any of these consciousnesses. This is Vijnana Skanda, it calls it. One of the Pancha Skanda, Vijnana Skanda. Six consciousnesses, there is no Atma there. And Vedanta agrees completely. None of this is Atma. Atma is the one unlimited awareness which is reflected and channeled through the mind and the um, senses and gives us this variety of experiences. Okay. Once one realizes this, one sees, one must appreciate Mahimanam Atmanaha. Mahimanam Atmana means the glory of the Atman. You must appreciate the glory of the diamond. Then only you will realize, the washerman will realize what an amazing treasure I have got. If I encash that, my troubles will be over forever. What is the glory of the Atma? Already Yama has told us. This Atman, this consciousness, this being, it's not born. Body is born. It's not. does not die. Body dies. Uh, it, it is unchanging. It's the body which changes. It is the mind which changes continuously. Mind which goes through ups and downs. It puts up a great magic show. I do not change with it. You stick to it. You see, that's why a trained mind is necessary because attention has to be given up, given to the unchanging nature of the Atman, the ever-free nature of the Atman. To recognize the glory of the Atman, you must pay attention there. And attention has been given, can be given only by the mind. It's the mind and the intellect which we are using here. And that's why this uh, Akratu and Dhatu Prasada, the two terms used here, the desirelessness in the mind and the discipline of the mind, disciplined in, in meditation, in uh, calmness, that is necessary. Otherwise, a flickering mind means flickering attention. And we will keep getting distracted. It requires careful attention, at least to recognize it the first time. Once you have recognized yourself as pure consciousness, you will never mistake it. Swami Vivekananda calls it like a trick picture. Once you see that what is there, you can, cannot be fooled again. You know what is a trick picture? Have you seen? It looks like a jumble of shapes. But if you say, if you look carefully, there will be Shiva there or there will be um, Parvati and, and Shiva, you can see, or Krishna and Radha there. I've seen such pictures. They're sold in, um, you know, like little novelty shops outside temples. Uh, so it looks like a jumble of shapes, you know, like little patterns and color. If you look carefully, suddenly the pattern will emerge. Uh, maybe a tree will emerge or a tiger will emerge. Something will emerge. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Such trick pictures are there. But once you have seen the pattern, Next time it is shown to you, it does not take long for you to recognize it. You know the way of looking at it. Similarly, he says, enlightenment is like that. You are it right now. Once you get it, you can't be fooled anymore. In every situation, no matter how bad, how tragic, how full of anxiety or worry, you can immediately recognize, oh, here is my old friend, pure consciousness, pure being. 
it is I alone. I alone am that. Aham Brahmasmi. I recognize the glory of the Atman. It is not born. It does not die. It does not age. Uh, disease cannot touch it. Sorrows, ups and downs, miseries, fa fancies, frustrations, none of it can touch it. I am free of all of that. This is the glory of the Atman. Immortal, pure, beyond the law of karma, ever free, ever secure. I am that already. You can always refer back to it. That's your real nature. Always draw strength from it. So, appreciate the nature. Shankaracharya says, Pashyati I am. Seize this. Seize this means, he says, Aham asmiti sakshad vijanati. What a beautiful statement. I am this infinite existence consciousness in which appears not only just this body, just this mind, but all bodies and minds. The entire universe appears in this Atman itself. I am that unlimited Atman, which is called Brahman. Sakshad Vijanati directly knows. If the mind is stable, is, is, is purified, pure of, of uh, desires, and the senses are controlled, it will go into Samadhi at this stage. Even if that does not happen, a cl clarity will dawn. That, oh, so this is what I am. This is called freedom. This recognition. After that, if you live um, in this light, you are called Jivan Mukta. Called a Jivan Mukta. Free while living. All right. So, it's a very beautiful mantra. Anoraniyan, Mahato Mahiyan, Atmasya Jantur, Nihito Guhayam, Tamakratu Pashyati, Vita Shoko, Dhatu Prasadan, Mahimana Matmana. Smaller than the tinier than the tiniest, vaster than the vastest. Uh, this Atman is lodged in your mind, in your heart, in your intellect as awareness. Uh, everywhere it is existence, the existence of all things. It is colored by Upadi. What Upadi? Names and forms. What names and forms? Tables and chairs, bodies, mind, thought, um, mountains and rivers and the sky and earth. They are all Upadis. They're like the pink paper and the yellow paper. At least the pink paper, yellow paper has some existence apart from the crystal. Here Upadi has no existence apart from you, the consciousness. Pashyati, you will see. What will you see? Mahimana Matmana. You will appreciate the glory of yourself. It's a glory greater than any earthly glory, any bodily glory. More beautiful than the most beautiful body. It is more intelligent, the most intelligent mind. It is um, longer lived than the most uh, ancient mountain range or ocean or planet. It's vaster than the vastest galaxy, tinier than the tiniest subatomic particle. And the words of the Isha Upanishad, faster than the fastest. And absolutely will not go anywhere. Immovable. So this Atman, how is that possible? Upadi. We'll see again, the, the same contradictory language will be used next time. And then you realize this glory, realizing this glory, I am this amazing thing, always was. Therefore, I am free. I have no problems. Every time you seem to face a problem, refer back to this glory. Look at your own glory. And then from that perspective, look at the problem. It's nothing to me. 
even death is nothing to me not only your our own bodily death that of our own body but of others also so you will realize they are also safe in the ultimate sense the then what krishna said to arjuna you need not grieve for them in a certain sense they are always permanently safe but for that you require tamakratu akratu and dhatu prasada the discipline of um, so you know this is actually the qualifications for vedanta vedanta akratu is vairagya and dhatu prasada is shak sampati sixfold discipline akratu vairagya this you know viveka vairagya shat sampatti mumukshutvam the fourfold qualification for vedanta viveka already is doing this discernment trying to show you the atman apart from the upadhis is trying to show us this is viveka this is the neti neti and what he wants from us is what nachiketa already has vairagya complete dispassion for anything that any upadhi at all i don't want this atman to be colored by anything i have no desire for a particular movie to be played so or if anything is being played i have no problem with it also i recognize it to be a movie i recognize it to be a, an upadhi so that is called akratu vairagya plus the discipline sixfold discipline do you remember the six treasures shat sampatti all of that he just calls it dhatu prasada control of the senses mind senses sense organs motor organs at least to that extent that we can notice ourselves as this too much restlessness it won't work once you notice it is yours forever it just requires one instant of stillness stillness means the ultimate stillness even just one instant that's enough yes let me quickly look at the questions nian says unexplained series secrets of the immortals yes correct garav says going through the cycle of birth and death refers to subtle and causal body which are not destroyed after this body dies that is why it is said we are going from one body to another is this correct yes if this is correct then our goal is the destruction of the subtle and causal body which somehow continue to exist interesting thing which i find is that atheist believes that our existence all three bodies are destroyed after death but vedanta says that they are not and we are finding solutions for this problem do you understand it correctly almost the one more thing you need to understand what what vedanta says is we are none of these three bodies we are not the physical body we are not the subtle body we are not the causal body we uh, you have to see when you say i have to destroy the physical body subtle body and causal body what destruction when i have to be free of the movie what is the freedom from the movie switch up the movie or realize it's a movie doesn't matter from the perspective of the screen no matter what movie you play or do not play a movie the screen is perfectly the same thing you which is being and consciousness is always the same reality it does not matter uh, if subtle ca- causal subtle and physical bodies appear and disappear you're none of it once you realize that you are no longer caught in a particular causal and uh, f- uh, subtle body yes it is actually the destruction of the causal body why causal body is ignorance ignorance of a real nature and the material science uh, explanation it is uh, materialist explanation that the physical body is destroyed and that's it no there's nothing else left well that does not free that person 
because that person still has the ignorance about his or her real nature and it will be reborn again in some other physical body. If they, even if they don't believe in a subtle body and causal body, it doesn't matter. And it's terribly wrong not to believe in a causal body and a subtle body. Uh, doesn't the atheist have thoughts? Even the thought that I do not have a subtle body, causal body, it means that I have a subtle body. Because you're thinking. Rodrigo says, Jeevas do not consciously remember past lives. Several episodes of life of the saints that inter interrogate Jeevas about past and future lives. Does enlightenment reveal the story from ignorance to knowledge as in a movie? Uh, this is Patanjali Yoga says this, that in the last life, uh, you will know all your past lives. But again, you see, Yama, Vedanta, Advaita Vedanta is not interested. Uh, it's like saying, the moment you realize it's not a movie, it's a movie, it's not reality. Uh, do you remember all the movies you have seen or not? Doesn't matter if you remember, doesn't matter if you, if you don't remember. Tanuka Ghoshal says, I have heard teachers in other traditions specifically mention the soul or Atman having the size of one by whatever the tip of a human hair. Where does this come from? Atman is equivalent to Brahman and hence attributeless, cannot be measured. Correct, correct. It cannot be measured. So the meaning that it is one by 10,000, the tip of a human hair can have two meanings. One is it's incredibly subtle. That's all it wants to, they want to say. Or if they actually mean it, what it could mean is there is some um, incredibly tiny scale on which the subtle body can be measured. And so the subtle body, remember, is an upadi for the Atman. So as tiny as the subtle body is, Atman is there also. So the Atman is as tiny as that, one by 10,000th of the tip of, uh, of a human hair. Uh, so, but is it actually that size? No, that may be the size of the subtle body or something. Uh, or just forget all that and just it just means that it's very subtle, that's all. Girish says, you have argued that Shunyata, Madhyamaka and Purnam are two sides of the same coin. Does it follow that self-Atman, non-self of the Atman are, uh, are Anatman, are equivalent? No, they're not equivalent. The Anatman doctrine basically is the complement of the Atman doctrine from our perspective. The Anatman doctrine, as I said, it meticulously shows you Whatever we consider to be ourselves is not ourselves. There's no Atman there. There's no Atman in the physical body. There's no Atman in our feelings. There's no Atman in our emotions. There's no Atman in our, the six consciousnesses I mentioned, Vijnana Skanda. There's no Atman in the perceptions. This is called Pancha Skanda, the five aggregates. That's all you find. There's no Atman there. There's no Atman other than that also. So where is the Atman? He says the Atman in this is just uh, an uh, illusion, an imagination. I think I am this conglomeration. No, there's no self there. There's no such thing as a self. There's just this conglomeration playing around. So that is Theravada Buddhism or Shavakayana. That's the preliminary analysis. And then the further deeper analysis is there in the Chitta Matra, mind-only school of Buddhism. Then there's an even deeper an analysis in Madhyamaka Buddhism, the Shunyavada Buddhism. There's an even deeper analysis finally in what is known as the Shentong Buddhism. Uh, Tibetan Buddhism, which is very close to the pure being, pure consciousness of Advaita Vedanta. Alpana says, why does the understanding oscillate between being and specific name and form? Uh, it doesn't oscillate. It's not it's usually fixed in that specific name and form. That's what we think of ourselves. Now, uh, we are being pushed back to the being. 
Yama is trying to make us appreciate. From specific thoughts, feelings, emotions to pure awareness. From um, things, small and big, to the existence itself. We're trying, he's trying to push us back to the background. Gaurav says, greater than the greatest, smaller than the smallest, can it refer to appearance, virtual reality in our existence? Ultimately, the world conceived by human minds in terms of matter, space, and time exists only in the human mind. Is it saying that Atman transcends the space conceived by the human mind? Um, I won't answer this directly. I'll just say this new book that uh, um, David Chalmers has written. It's called Reality Plus. So there he argues, uh, interestingly, he argues that we are now living, going into a world of virtual reality. And that's going to become more and more a part of our lives, whether you like it or not. And he says, that's reality also. If you consider this to be a reality, you consider that to be a reality also. And that's very interesting. If you consider that to be a reality, virtual reality, a meta reality, and this is to, also to be the same another reality, in that case, you are saying both are equally false. If you say it is all false or it is all real, if you equate the two, then you are agreeing to the position that if that's a virtual, virtual means false appearance, virtual reality is reality, same as this waking reality, then you are saying nothing more than what Gaudapada said 1400 years ago. He compared waking reality to our dream reality. He says it's the same. Consider both to be false. Consider both to be real. But the reality is that which underlies both. Which makes both appear to be real. So that's a very interesting position he's taking. Wouldn't it be right to say that the Upadis are used to reveal that Atman has no limitations? Wonderful. Rodrigo has made a tremendous statement here. Upadis trap us in Maya. They trap us in samsara. But here what he's doing is, he's using, Yama is using the Upadis. Shankaracharya is using the Upadis to reveal the Atman. What is Upadi? What does Upadi do to us? There is a tiny little being. I'm a tiny little being. Here is a vast universe. And this tininess has come because of the body. Vastness has come because of stars and planets and galaxies. Now, showing that the body and stars and planets and galaxies are upadhis, there's only one reality. Then he says, you are tinier than the tiniest. You are vaster than the vastest. Just like water is tinier than the bubble and vaster than the Pacific Ocean. What did I do? I pointed to the water by using bubble and Pacific Ocean. Exactly right. Shankaracharya has done that. Um, of course, Yama is doing that, using the Upadis themselves and contradicting them and pointing to something underlying them. Good. All right. Uh, Gaurav says, even other sampradayas like Iskon believe that Atma has appropriated Upadis' body. They believe body exists and Atma has entered the body and believe it after death. Uniqueness of Advaita is that Upadis are appearance like dream and have no ultimate reality. Correct. And, and this is a term which is actually quite widespread. Even in a common day-to-day -day language, in the Hindi, Bengali, Upadhi means your title. So if you have a PhD degree, for example, that's your Upadhi. Notice how the original meaning is still present in a little bit. It lends its um, you know, PhD to you, the being who holds that PhD. 
So you are you are affected by it. So PhD standing next to your name it gives lends itself to you and its qualities to you. In some other languages, I heard Marathi. Um, Upadhi is actually seen as an obstruction or some something wrong or you know, uh, as an some obstacle to be overcome. That's also the original meaning. You see, Sri said, Swamiji writes Nirguna Gunamai. Correct. Doesn't it not contradict both true formless and fully formed with lent qualities, but those qualities also exist within the formless? Just the opposite. But it's a good thing that you have pointed out. The Khandana Bhava Bandhana, there's a beautiful hymn written by Swami Vivekananda about Sri Ramakrishna. And notice, there he uses this contradictory language again and again and again. Nirguna Gunamai, beyond qualities, full of, pervaded by all qualities. The same reality is the absolute, the same reality is God or Bhagavan or Saguna Brahman. Nirguna Brahman, Saguna Brahman. How is Nirguna Brahman in itself? How is it Saguna Brahman with Upadhis? How can the same reality be pure being and it can still be um, God of the universe with the Upadhi of Maya? The pure being with the appearance of Maya now becomes God. See, the, this Upadhi thing is absolutely crucial to Advaita Vedanta. You can see now the way Upadhi is used here. That's why when Madhvacharya attacked Advaita Vedanta, one of the targets was Upadhi. There's a book, Upadhi Khandana, <laughs> the attack on the Upadhis. Tamiko says, if here the cave of the heart refers to the mind, can you please uh, explain about why the word heart is used and not mind? Yes, um, whenever the heart is used, um, you know, Shankaracharya explains it as Buddha, Buddhi Guha, the cave of the intellect. And uh, that's because in ancient times, in all cultures, in fact, the mind was supposed to be located in the heart. That's why you meditate here in the heart. So it's a psychic heart. And there is, um, I mean, nowadays, because of we understand the function of the brain, we say the mind is located here. But traditionally, the idea was the mind is located in the heart. And look at your own feeling of life itself. The world seems exterior. Then closer to you seems the body. You sit closely, closer to you seems, uh, closest to you seem your own thoughts, feelings, ideas. And you seem to be in there somewhere. So what's closest to you? Which is the cave you are sitting in? In your own thoughts, feelings, ideas, memories, desires, that's the mind. So that's the cave in which you dwell. Sort of intuitively it feels like that. Anyway, the real reason is mind and intellect were supposed to be centered in the heart, in uh, traditional yoga and tantra also. Rama says, the self is not a thing, correct. But everything we experience is an object, correct. How do we break ourselves from this object-based understanding? Especially when we talk about pure existence, it's difficult to perceive it beyond objects. Never, ever try to see yourself as pure existence. You can't. Whatever you experience is an object. Correct. Notice that much, it's enough. You are none of the objects. When you realize you are none of the objects, you will automatically realize you are, you are the Atman. You, did you see what uh, Sri Ramakrishna said yesterday? But by doing this neti neti, not the world, not the body, not the mind, not object, not object, not object, the mind of the jnani goes into samadhi. It flies into samadhi. It com becomes entirely motionless and centered and the glory of the Atman is revealed automatically. It's continuously being revealed. 
by that alone you are experiencing all these objects but you can never objectify it so don't try to perceive it you see it's difficult to perceive it beyond objects you can never perceive it beyond objects you'll go crazy if you try to perceive it and you don't need to you are it krishna muti vishwanathan says bhagavan ramana seems to be saying the same thing yes he says the same thing absolutely and is a good link here hridaya kuhara madhye correct this is the central teaching of ramana maharshi krunal patel says are the sentences below similar one when one performs work without expecting fruits of it it is karma yoga two when one performs the work being fully centered in awareness it is karma yoga yes but the second one is more the result uh, second one is a jivan mukta it describes a jivan mukta centered in awareness means i am awareness action is being performed through body mind the first one describes karma yoga as a sadhana as a practice to attain enlightenment and the second one is the state of an enlightened person shiva priya says how we say consciousness atman is all powerful all pervading which is free from all attributes why we say powerful correct so when avatar sees all past and future he sees it mind reflecting atman but power of mind or atman we say okay power belongs to maya maya is power with the upadi of maya atman or brahman is all powerful all power activity belongs to maya but maya itself has no existence apart from brahman how can maya have existence apart from existence itself this is the whole mystery of power which is when kali you know bhavatarni kali she is dancing in the battlefield destroying everything unlimited power but only one place she puts her foot on the chest of shiva who is lying there and absolutely powerless shiva is absolutely motionless there like a corpse because without kali shiva has no power but kali when she puts her foot on shiva she bites her tongue but <laughs> she knows this this is actually my reality shiva is my reality with kali it is mahamaya this this universe power of this universe but beyond power is uh, the real nature of shiva so you say oh then shiva is powerless no their question of power is you know presence of power indicates weakness it's only when you want to do something you need power why do you need power you want to accomplish something if everything is accomplished you don't need any power siddhartha says if the universe is finite brahman is also finite no vaster than the vastest so therefore brahman is infinite but the universe is finite upadi is finite but that which is uh, in which it shines is not finite jennifer says dhatu prasad is same as antakaran should be exactly the same thing purification of the mind and dhatu prasad is exactly the same thing uh, both uh, purification of the mind leading to control of the senses because akratu is also purification of the mind deepa and krishnan say i'm curious how realization is not a binary event you are realized and yet perceived duality seems logically that you will remain established as atman only think about it your uh, assignment <laughs> how after being enlightened you will perceive a duality um 
Prabir Basu says, what is the difference between an enlightened person and a person who understands that he or she is Brahman, not enlightened, but uses Vedanta like Rigvisha Viveka to deal with problems? It's an internal difference. Is it understanding? Do you feel it very clearly? Then it's natural to you to use Drigdrishya Viveka or Panchakosha Viveka and deal with all problems from that perspective. If you don't feel it and yet you're using it uh, to deal with your problems, then you're doing a sadhana, a very good sadhana, very powerful sadhana, but still a sadhana. Has, yes, Gujarati, Upadhi is trouble. You see, Upadhi is uh, the meanings of Upadhi in our in Indian languages. They all have little bits of the elements of the original technical meaning of Upadhi in Vedanta. Good. Gone well beyond time. Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tat Sat Shri Ram Krishna Arpanamastu